Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. We are live. All right. You are the resistance. <laughs> this is Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex anyway, Jones light. Alex Jones light. <laughs> well, that's the whole entire thing. You see, I, I read all the white papers and... uh <laughs> I'll get it soon. I'll get it soon. I'm, I'm very close. You know, it, it took me a while to. Now, hold on, hold on. Now, Michelle and I, we don't have any problems going to Canada. <laughs> Strange, Obama doesn't have to show up in a quarantine facility, really. Well, hold on, H- hold on. The thing is, uh, Michelle and I, we're having a soiree. It's my 60th birthday party. I have 700 guests. I don't care if they're COVID positive or not, because I know for a fact that COVID is just completely made up. <laughs> you do that really well. It's, <laughs> it's impressive. It's very impressive. Oh, my uh, God. No, V, I was telling you, I, I just uh, I just finished watching part of your program uh, before we started talking here. And um, I had a friend of mine who just arrived because you were talking about the, uh, the quarantine facilities and, and how the Russian uh, writer had just published a piece describing how she was turned back, even though she had proven immunity from COVID, having already gone through COVID. So she had antibodies, her immune system were generated all the antibodies just fine. She was immune. And despite that, she was being told that she would have to stay in one of these government-sanctioned uh, isolation facilities. Yep. Uh, so she had to basically hop back on the plane and, uh, and leave to go back to her home in Europe. And I got a friend who uh, recently uh, had this weird experience where she just had to get out of Canada for a little bit. And she went to Jamaica. She has a lot of friends there um, when there was a little bit more leeway of, of freedom of mobility, just a little bit, um, you know, like last year, last October. And uh, right when she was ready to come back, she'd used all of her money. So now she's broke, but she has just enough to get get back on the plane, come back to Canada and a week before they declare no no entry flights into Canada. So now all of a sudden, this like, you know, March of this year, now she's stuck in Jamaica, trapped in paradise. Not a bad place to be trapped in, but still kind of messed up when you're broke. Yeah. So she's relying off of charity for like two months until finally they allow some in, incoming flights and she gets the first flight she can. There's a 24-hour layaway in uh, in Toronto before she comes to Montreal, which is where she lives. Um, but she, And so she gets off the plane and they say, well, do you have your... Uh, government approved uh, quarantine hotel tickets purchased. And she said, well, I, I've been living off of charity. I don't have anything. And they're like, well, where are you going to stay? She says, well, I was hoping to just maybe curl up in a ball on the floor maybe or something for until the flight leaves. And they're like, no, you're not allowed to do that. You have to legally be in a quarantine hotel. So she's like, well, I, I can't. So uh, what are you going to do? And they say, well, you're going to have to, because it's $2,000 to get the quarantine hotel. And uh, she says, well, uh, the, the, the guard says, well, you're going to have to receive this $6,500 ticket, but you're free to go now. So now she's like free to like, just wa- wander around Toronto for 24 hours. Supposedly, if this is a pandemic, right? Like a real pandemic. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you pay the $6,000. You're you just spread it, spread the black plague. Go ahead. So she, now she's got, you know, stuck with this $6,500 ticket that she's going to fight, obviously. 
but it's just such a self-contradictory joke. It's, it's so it, stupid. It, well, here's the thing. It's like, you know, they're all talking about all these variants, Delta, Phi, Gamma. It's yeah. all, it's like a, it's a sorority and a fraternity. The, I guess the fraternity of, of, uh, of viruses, right? We're on the mm. Kappa, Gamma, Lambda, Beta, Phi, Kappa, Epsilon. <laughs> so, but yet all the while, the southern border is wide open. We have thousands of people, many of whom are infected coming across right, right into the border. Right. People right. have been on flights. I've I've read stories where people were on Delta flights, and the people are like, "Hey, look, I'm on this Delta flight. There's 54 people here. They look like migrants. They look like they're from you know Guatemala or Honduras or whatever, and they don't have their face masks on properly. They're you know, and 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 the uh, the the stewardesses and the, the people that are in the plane uh, just doesn't bother them. But to the rest of us, it's excuse me. You gotta have when you're you have to put your mask back on in between bites when you're eating your snack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. No, I, I I absolutely. And yet, if you want to come from or, you know Canada to the United States to uh, go to your cottage or visit a relative, that you can't do that in, unless it's a severe emergency. But you know. For the other border, yeah, that, that's perfectly fine. Free flow, uh, no problem whatsoever. And they just extended the uh, the border lockdown for another what is it, 30, 40 days? Um, again, no no scientific reason, no logic. And I love this uh, this meme going around, you know, with different characters in the meme visually. Uh, one I just saw was with a little kid from a movie. But the, the the question was, you know, if if the if the vaccines work, why do I need to get one? And if the vaccines don't work. Why do I need to get one? Yeah. It's like uh, it's, logic malfunction. You know, isn't it amazing that we total were feedback loop? Yeah. I mean, negative the, feedback the, loop. the West likes to proclaim a shot from the trumpet tops of, of Athens from yeah. Mars Hill itself in Athens, Matthew, from Mars Hill itself. The West would just cry the rest of the world and say that we are the bastion of logic. Mm. Right. How come the uh, the the uh, the progeny, the the intellectual progeny of, of Plato and and uh, and 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 Aristotle and all these wonderful philosophers and and uh, theor uh, uh, you know uh, theorists and this that and the other and and this is the logic that we've devolved to. There is no logic anymore, no. you know. Because no, the whole premise behind the vaccination is okay, fine. You know what? I I, I have the shot. I take the shot. I'm good. I don't got to wear a mask. I'm protected. But if I'm not, then it, I'm not. So if I'm protected, I don't have to worry about the next guy who doesn't have the shot, right? That's the whole premise. But then they just announced. They just announced. Billion. They just uh, announced that they're going to be charging for the for the vaccine now. Yeah, of yeah. course. Were, that was always the plan. Well, you know, it's a typical drug dealer, right? Listen, yeah. the, the first one's always free. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, well, you know, I, I just the amount of, of inconsistency and absurdity, like the... Uh, you you got out of New York just in time. I mean, I'm I'm just following just uh, last couple of days, or was it even today that Bill Blasio announced as well that uh, uh, they're going to have their freedom passes in New York. So now yeah, it's essentially the, uh, the, the this is this is how funny it is. They, they have no way of enforcing any of this kind of stuff, right? There's mm -hmm. no they don't have the. This is the funny part about the West. The West talks a lot of crap, right? And 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 they'll have some sporadic bubbles and little concentrations of quote-unquote compliance in, in sporadic areas. But here's the funny thing, right? None of this, right? In the city, they have the, the, the city pass, right? The city uh, pa uh, vaccination passport, whatever the hell that is. Mm -hmm. and, then in, and, and then the state of New York has the Excelsior. Mm -hmm. And the Excelsior pass has been already deemed to be a corrupted database. It is not efficient. It doesn't work right. 
it, it, it's put together by by of course bureaucrats. I'm, I'm sure it's the, the same people that put together the Obamacare website, and that was a travesty. If you remember that, that was ridiculous. I mean, it was bad. I mean, yeah, they yeah. literally had the names of characters from the Transformer movie embedded into the code of the Obama site. That is a fact, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely, they, they had Optimus Prime within the code and all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, hold on, wait now. I don't know what you're talking about 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 my healthcare side. Uh, it was totally fine. Obamacare was perfect. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's the same thing. So they they're putting all the stuff up. They don't see like the vaccine card, the Excelsior pass, all the stuff. They have no way of enforcing it. And then if yeah. I have the Excelsior pass, is the Excelsior pass good for the vaccine card that's in New York City and vice versa? Like, what's going on? Nobody knows. Nobody mm, knows. That's a if very a bunch good of low IQ bureaucrats creating a whole bunch of rigmarole and 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 du- and red tape all over the place. They're mm-hmm. taping each other out. It's hilarious to watch. Yeah, yeah, no, it, you can see it's really just behaviorism and, and psychological intimidation. There, there's nothing behind it uh, as far as actual means of carrying out a lot of the things. And this goes, I mean, we're living in an imaginary Alice in Wonderland world, right? So it's it's like a lot of these guys have gotten used to thinking about geopolitics and economics and, and everything else from the standpoint of somebody playing a video game. That's all it is. Um, that's really it, right? So the video game may or may not have parameters that are based upon reality, but we can we know that whatever game they think that we're that they're playing or controlling as as dungeon masters or whatever it, it it is completely devoid of any bearing in reality and i mean we could vector back because there's a whole bunch of other things we talked yeah, about yeah, to make sure. fun of the the vaccine crap but um i was just thinking about the um you know there's there's a lopping that's been going on in uh, taiwan over the past uh, couple of weeks well, what happened? But, the, the 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 king found his way back home with his uh, brothel of uh, oh, maidens from this I, uh, Swiss chalet <laughs> resort, where he's walking around in a halter top, a no, makeup, that, and booty shorts. What a joke! Eh? And I, I realized that I said Thailand. I always do this. I meant to say Taiwan. Of course, oh, Taiwan, Thailand yes, okay, is okay. is exploding as is Indonesia with yeah. COVID cases, so called. But I mean, at the same time, no cases, no uh, cases there. Yeah, you know, at the same time as as that's so called happening, I just was was reading how. Uh, this is all occurring at a time like this, this whole explosion and ungovernability and all of this stuff is happening at the same time that they banned uh, about a month ago, the Sinovac and all of the uh, Chinese vaccines and then forced everyone to get Moderna and AstraZeneca booster shots. Yeah. And uh, as soon as that happened, all of a sudden coincidence. Now you got a a galore 30 Indonesian scientists, uh, not doctors fully vaccinated, dead Thailand in an uproar. Like that's already just nuts. But, that's not what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say was about Taiwan and uh, making fun of uh, computer modelers who, you know, just in October, they did their 2020 uh, war games where they actually, for the first time, because they had done these war games, these scenarios on computer models in uh, 2018, 2019, and they got their at based on the idea that, okay, China has just evaded. Here's the scenario. China has invaded Taiwan and uh, the U.S. military is going to defend Taiwan. What's going to what's going to happen? And they, they ran scenario after scenario lost every single one and they started losing them as well in 2020 except one of the scenarios the americans won and they championed that as like a a great proof of their military prowess video game it's a video game but then when you actually look scott ritter uh who's a, a regular author on art on rt scott really, ritter is awesome and he's really he, good he, he talk about a someone who suffered at the hands of the deep state mm-hmm, mm-hmm, dude mm-hmm. They try to ne- they put like pedo stuff on his computer and try to take him down as a pedo because he was the one of the original 
weapons inspectors in during the Iraq war saying, hey, look, what Iraq doesn't have weapons of mass distraction. Well, I, I said distraction, but hey, this is what it is. <laughs> weapons of mass distraction. This is uh, this war is a farce. Don't believe it. And they took him down. They character assassinated him. They arrested him. He fought it. I mean, he spent his treasure trying to fight these guys. And finally, you know, they dropped the case. It's unbelievable. If, if anybody ever writes an article on Netflix or U.S. Western mass entertainment, they should call it weapons of mass distraction. I think that that would be a, a good a good pull to pull people in. All but right, all that to say, let's talk about the U.S. military. I have a vaunted member of the uh, <laughs> the Baby Seals, not the Navy Seals. These are the Baby Seals. But go ahead. That's funny. Yeah, because you can't you can't test them anymore, right? That's yeah. that's authoritarian. If you try to like it's, give it's people racist. tests to pass, yeah, physical tests are racist. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's hilarious. The um, <laughs> but Ritter, the point that he made in in this recent op-ed. Uh, was that when you actually look at the computer models, the the inputs that they did that they that they designed the uh, the war game with, um, they made everything up. They pretended the U.S. military pretended that they had weapons that they didn't have, that they weren't even they had no plans to even procure. They they created airfields and bases that, that supposedly the chi the Chinese had that they didn't actually have. They just changed them. They're like, oh, we don't like their airfield there. Let's put it a thousand miles away here so that our scenario works out. And and yet they went and when you turn on CNN or a lot of the mainstream news, this is what was championed is that the U S has this great edge over the, the backwards Chinese military. Um, so I mean, it's just on every level, there's nothing that's not contaminated with this video game mode of thinking about governance, whether military pandemic, medical or economical. Um, and I think that as well, the, um, it's a, it's a video game binary, like thinking mode. Nobody, See, yeah. they understand most Americans and most people in the West don't understand the term millions, billions, and trillions. And I always tell mm -hmm. people, how many seconds is a million seconds? And most people say, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, three, four days. No, it's uh, 12 days. How many How many seconds is a billion seconds? Uh, I don't know, two weeks? No, it's uh, 34 years. How many seconds is a trillion seconds? Uh, 50 years? No, it's 300 years. So mm -hmm. when we're, you know, 200 trillion in debt 200 trillion in debt i mean the, my god when, when, when yeah. we spent 37 trillion dollars on foreign wars that 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 amounted to nothing it's a joke and then again people don't understand that's one side of the money side of it and the other side that they don't understand matthew is the logistics side right yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't understand the united states cannot simply show up anywhere in the world and create an airfield it will take them five years to do that mm -hmm. okay they cannot but, move. But when yeah. I play Age of Empires or Civilizations, I just have to click a button and I have yeah. like a, I have my my castle. I have my is it, what do you time? Phys, <laughs> physical I, reality? I, what? The, what is this? I can, I can hit I can hit a cheat code on my keyboard and I can speed up time. That's exactly right. It's a binary video game like mentality. Mm -hmm. It's fantasy, just like everything else. And it, it, you know, I, I I look at things from an economic level, right? And I, I I'm like an economic philosopher in this sense, right? When you and I believe is this. Okay, and I believe this wholeheartedly. The fact that we have a written language, the fact that we are communicating to each other is simply because of the need to keep track of each other's goods and wares so we are able to trade them, right? Economics spurred the eventual printing of the printing press and the printing book and the written word so we can keep track of things, right? And so economics is the chief driver of human civilization or one of the chief drivers, right? Then on top of that, 
right? This is why it's so vital. Physical economies and physical real markets with real mark-to-market, with real assets are so important. Why? Because not only does it get us out of uh, this this fake, fictitious, bogus world that we're living in with, with derivatives and all these other exotic financial instruments, but it gets us into reality where we stop this video game fantasy Dungeons and Dragons nonsense level thinking. Mm-hmm. It should at least, right? And I, yeah. you know, what you're saying reminds me a little bit of, of something that dovetails both the COVID as well as the economic insanity discussion at the same time is this uh, town hall meeting, the CNN town hall meeting that you probably saw clips of, or maybe the whole thing of uh, Biden being interviewed by uh, by Don Lemon. Oh, did, you, did you see that recently? Yeah, I saw some bits and pieces of it. Yeah, it's like this guy's just totally just flapping away random words. And I mean, obviously, uh, is a mess. He's not in control of himself, but he says two things. One, he makes his, his crazy ass claim that all if you get the vaccine, you will not. You're 100 percent immune from any case of covid, which already that's like just total medical misinformation. Jimmy Dory did a skit on that. And uh, I mean, you know, they just did a they had a, a recent CDC report published that had followed hundreds of people in Massachusetts, thousands even. And they uh, they found that 74 um, percent of those people who were hospitalized with serious uh, conditions of COVID were, uh, were fully vaccinated, fully yep. 74%. And yep. that's, but yet Biden and CNN on the national level with the national narratives are still proclaiming and projecting this whole, everybody who gets hospitalized is unvaccinated bullshit. Yeah. Um, so on the one hand, that was the a dribbling rant, but then the other a little bit further down in that same interview, um, Biden, uh, is, is asked a question about inflation and government spending irresponsibly. Uh, Putin, oh you know, recently chimed in on that point, saying that the U.S. just thinks that they can spend infinite money in, in a very undirected way and somehow stop inflation. I mean, that's just. But so Biden's response was, well, you know what? There's uh, there's and you got to imagine this being much more rambly and and, and misinterpreted. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> Biden says, well, there's short term inflation now, but in the long term, there's no inflation or anti-inflation. And when he was asked to justify that. He uh, said something about, you know, the infrastructure bill, jobs, growth. And right there, uh, there's he's being briefed by people who are, again, totally because he doesn't have a mind of his own. He doesn't know how to say things no. uh, based on internal dialogue or anything. The man, ha- man wears an adult diaper. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the um, the thing about that is there's a, a partial tr- truth wrapped in a lie or vice versa, a lie wrapped in a partial truth might be more appropriate, um, which is that, yeah, there is a way to spend. If you think about the physical reality, the physical laws of the economy that support life and cause creation and cause human beings to sustain our lives with more abundance, if you think about those things, then yes, there's ways to direct spending intelligently, big spending even, that is anti-inflationary because you can increase your national uh, physical productive powers of labor. This is what Abraham Lincoln did during the transcontinental railway building uh, started in 1862. It's what FDR did under the New Deal, big projects of the the Tennessee Valley Authority and the rural electrification programs and thousands of other small projects, but all organized by a national grand design. Or we see it with China, $3 trillion uh, of of investment into the Belt and Road Initiative. These are hundreds or thousands even of projects, big and small, but organized in a very coherent way to increase your cognitive powers of the people, the conditions of life to pull people out of poverty, and overall national power, so that the buying power of a dollar by the end of one of these project life cycles 
is going to be, you'll be able to buy a lot more. That dollar is going to go further. You'll be able to sustain your family with a higher standard of living with $1 after the project because it's associated with a complex dynamic of new discoveries, right? New technologies that have come online versus before the project. So that's an anti-inflationary approach. Uh, And so Biden, who's being fed all this crap by these technocrats who are like trying to take the form of the new deal of the 1930s and extract any of the productive substance and wrap it in a green packaging, calling it the green new deal or the build back better for the world, which is just the an international expression of this green new deal. Um, what they're actually, what they're doing is they're using the statistical effects of the anti-inflationary effect of the, of the economy under Franklin Roosevelt, but they're actually reducing your productive powers. So if you spread solar panels and windmills and you get green grids and all these things, your overall ability to sustain a higher standard of living, more people or a more national power of production, it's gone forget it. That quality of energy is not only unreliable and expensive, but it's poor quality energy. You can't sustain heavy industry with these green new deal things. So it's, it's really, it's, it's inflationary on every single level. And it's a bit of a mix of both the great depression of 29 on the one hand, because you do have the bubble system of, of the great depression, but, and it's, it's all sustained by unpayable debts waiting to, you know, uh, default, whether it's in, I mean, the, the upcoming, uh, mortgage, uh, eviction evictions that are going to be happening very soon. Yeah. That's going to blow and be ugly. I mean, millions of people are looking to be kicked out onto the streets because now the, the bill to keep them in their houses is not being renewed. So that's what, you know, how many trillions or tens of trillions of dollars of derivatives contracts and other things are associated with those underlying debts. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. If you want to know knows. something. I think there's a, there's a great link here. And I think this mm. thing is, I think there's going to be some sort of a mortgage intervention, so to speak. And we're going to see a massive transfer of wealth and a massive transfer of, of, of property ownership from individuals to corporations like BlackRock, which are so aptly positioned in the fed and, yeah you know, put in the Fed three years ago for for this express purpose, Matthew. But, you know, you and I know that there's no such thing as conspiracy theories. But no. No, it's all <laughs> and then you, you have to remember. Do you remember the LIBOR scandal from uh, like five years ago? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. 2012, where they were like manipulating the uh, the interbank uh, rates, right? Interbank uh, loan rates. Yeah. And you, yeah, how many or loans were how many loans that they admit to were affected? Do you remember the exact number? No. Eight hundred trillion. Fuck. Eight. Hundred. That's trillion. what they admitted to publicly. That's what they admitted to oh publicly. Oh my god! Okay, and again, the public is inundated with million, billion, trillion. It goes over their head. They don't know what that means. Yeah, eight hundred trillion is not simply just and the, and and the next thing within a matter of like two years. Oh yeah, the LIBOR sc- uh, scandal that's been fixed. Yeah. In fact, we, I, I, I personally, uh, Michelle and I, 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 we, we, uh, I went out to uh, Switzerland and I uh, met with uh, the prime minister there. And uh, we sat down and uh, uh, met with the uh, the lords of the city of London, and uh, they promised to uh, play by the rules. Mm. And uh, there's uh, no more uh, the the, the eight hundred trillion dollars is uh, is all gone. No wow. problem. Wow. I, I, you know, Trump don't have a wand. I I, I have a magic wand, and I said, uh, uh, abracadabra. No. Yeah. So that's the you thing, know. right? Like, I mean, they're obviously here's the thing. this yeah. whole they that eight hundred trillion, Matt, is still there. Mm-hmm. It didn't go anywhere. They didn't write it off. They bolt hold it. They bolt holded it in in uh, Euroclear, 
okay, which was set up in 1968 by J.P. Morgan to float European bonds, which eventually were the building blocks of the European Union. Okay, that's Euroclear. And then in the UK, the city of London, they have what's called Clearstream, which is the cousin of Euroclear. Now, between their express purpose is to move bonds, okay, and their express purpose is to hide what's known as dark dollars. Okay, Euroclear and and Clearstream. Okay, now watch this. Euroclear operates in 96 countries. So most of the dark dollars, okay, they're just keeping it off market. It's still there. It's still affecting the system. Right, it's still affecting the feedback loops that are in the economy, right? And those dark dollars are dumped in they're they're both hold in, in in the Cayman Islands, on Jersey, in Gibraltar, and uh, the British, uh, the BVI, and all these banks are holding it. Those dark dollars, and what remember the LIBOR rate was what it was predominantly having to do with mortgage and real estate. Okay, real estate lending, mortgage lending, that's where the majority of the LIBOR scandal comes from. Mm. That LIBOR scandal is inextricably linked with right now the mortgage crisis that is brewing under the uh, under the uh, under the 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 the, the water right now. The, you know, there, there's a, right underneath the surface, man, that mortgage crisis that's being brewed, the LIBOR is still linked to that. It's not done away with. This thing is going to blow, Matt. It's going to blow big. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I didn't. I took notes of what you just said. That's that's gold. Um, and yeah, I mean this whole black hole. I mean it's really a black hole in the economy where they're just like pouring fake money, and, and the thing is designed to blow. It's not. Uh, it's not designed to be uh, corrected, and that's been the design. Uh, and you could just look at the words of many of the the key figures who have played a role at various times over the past decades. Um, whether it's Maury Strong talking about how it's the responsibility of world leaders who are enlightened to uh, induce industrial civilization to destroy itself, to protect nature. Or, I mean, there, there's so many cases of, of Paul Volcker describing the need for a controlled disintegration of the, the Western economy. I mean, there's so many cases. But, I mean, overall, the philosophy, it, it, it kind of makes a disgusting form of sense when you realize that these are, they self-identify this, this modern class of, of modern technocrats managing the great reset or Klaus Schwab's, you know, fantasies of, uh, of, a uh, you know, stakeholder capitalism. Um, no, sorry, shareholder. No, you know, no. stakeholder, stakeholder, stakeholder capitalism, um, is that they're Probably. all neo, they're all neo Malthusian. They, they all believe that the fundamental law of nature is that nature is organized by a mathematical homeostasis, a mathematical balance, which, uh, their computer models say can only sustain, you know, scientifically, Two billion, maybe max, uh, people at carrying capacity, and so it, in order to obey the laws of nature, uh, a, a neo-Malthusian who's a little bit power hungry, like these guys are, would have to conclude that everything associated with population growth, and that involves scientific, technological progress, industrial activity, and what they don't—they don't often like talking about, but they're looking at is the role of the human mind, which is the resource that creates resources that is immaterial. It's the, it's the psycho-spiritual resource yeah. that they need to stifle and subvert in the education system, in the culture. With I mean, there's a reason why there's so many social engineers or people like Obama who are even like investors in Netflix. It's to, it's to like consciously... Huh? I like Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's, Michelle and I do a lot of documentaries there. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. I, I mean, they're they're partial like, stakeholders in this thing, and and yeah, they're they're definitely there. There's a thought through approach to castrating the minds of people so that they they don't have confidence in the idea that we can overcome population limits with scientific progress. They don't have this problem in China or Russia, by the way, no, especially in China. They're very positive and optimistic about the power of the mind to overcome problems with science. Um, that's why you, kids you, there you, when they you sound like a communist red Chinese to me, Matthew. I don't know about that. You sound like a communist sympathizer. Are you yeah, a tycoon? I get that a lot. <laughs> You're not the only one, bro. I, I know. I know. Well, that's the th but see, people are just that dumbed down, right? They they're still using Cold War forty year old narratives about the world. Um, and then what you just did, I, I get like emails every day attacking me for being a copy because I said something nice about the BRI. But, you know, you, you just look at the facts and like they did they did surveys where they they surveyed thousands of kids in high school and elementary in China and and the same thing in the Western economies. And on the list of like 10 jobs, they had them like rate the jobs that they would like to do when they when they go into the mar the workforce. And in the case of China, astronaut was number one social media star like youtuber was number 10 bottom of the list they didn't right. care about that they all wanted to be astronauts and engineers was number two in the in the usa it was the very opposite astronaut was way at the bottom youtuber oh, uh, star uh, number one <laughs> sex worker is number three <laughs> yeah right <laughs> trans sex worker trans yeah. sex worker in love <laughs> my, my 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 desire because this is the new America and we're all representatives. I mean, I'm sorry, we're represented. I'm going to be a trans sex worker in Vegas. That's my life goal. <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're setting them up with the Muppet Babies, the new uh, 3D Muppet Babies show. I was just oh, watching. Jesus, again, covered... no. No, they, yeah, ru yeah. they ruined Muppet Babies? Yeah, they got Gonzo. Gonzo, the, the toddler, whatever, six-year-old Gonzo in the Muppet Babies show, uh, got trans? invited to the, uh, the princess ball. It was like a take on Cinderella. And uh, everyone was was commanded to dress. All the boys had to dress like knights, but he really wanted to dress like in a dress. So uh, oh, he admitted geez. it to all of his friends with Piggy and Kermit and everybody there that uh, it was me who was this beautiful girl at the ball. It was me. And he, t he puts on his dress and shows it was me. them. It all, was me, Gonzo. They all just say how understanding they are. Group hug. We love you. But this is like directed towards kids who are in pre high, you know, preschool, yeah, like kindergarten. They're so well. They wrecked you know. He Man. You you heard about that with Netflix? I'm so kind disappointed. Of, kind so of. Kevin Smith, who's like this vegan idiot, uh, soy boy, latte lipping, lapping, whatever moron that he is. Yeah, uh, he's the guy who created the movie Clerks. So we're well, all I, saw, I saw Dogma. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's he has some good hits, right? And all of a sudden, yeah. he's like he's promising us, yeah, this is all about He Man. It's all about you know, it's all about him. And then I saw the trailer. I was like, holy crap! The trailer is amazing, right? I'm like, I'm reliving my childhood back in the '80s. And all of a sudden, it starts up. He Man's dead within five minutes, right? No. And it's all about Tila and how she becomes. No, no, no. She gets this butch haircut, and she's. She looks like Megan Rapione from the the women's soccer team, and how it's uh you know she's got to go save the world, and uh, now it's going to be the next He Man is going to be this black lady. I'm like, what? whoa, yeah. No I'm sure they they found a way Dude. to keep the uh, the weird guy with the heart, the the mustache, the red hair, and the heart on his chest. They probably yeah, yeah, kept him in yeah, there, right? uh, or, or, or orca, oro, something. Yeah, he's still around. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. No, it's, it's such a joke. So, you know, you, you, there's obvious social engineering going on behind the scenes here. And uh, you mentioned BlackRock. Like, it's it's so clear that this is the the, the stakeholder capitalism of Klaus Schwab. And, and yeah, like BlackRock is just buying up because even like landlords who are small landlords, they don't want to evict their people, but they can't pay their property taxes and they can't pay their bills. And people in their homes that they own can't pay as well their rents, obviously. So they're forced to sell the buildings. Who's who's there to buy the buildings? BlackRock. And I mean, who's tied into the Biden administration? Uh, you know, BlackRock has several major people who are very high level. Brian Deese uh, is the um, was the former uh, uh, BlackRock head of sustainable investing. Oh, there's the show, right? Yep. I can't believe they killed He Man. That's Dude, that's messed up. Look at him. That's really. I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, no. especially this scene. I'm like, oh, and I started saying, I have the yeah. power. No, I had my plastic. I had I had my plastic. What was the last time you saw a jacked superhero on a kid's cartoon? Never. Yeah. I was like, so little battle cat. Yeah, it's all about He Man. Yeah. Are you sure they kill him? It's an uproar. You want to see the 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 Rotten Tomatoes audience score is like twenty percent. Okay, dude, they killed him in five minutes, dude. That's shocking. It is terrible. Yeah, shame on Kevin Smith. Just shame terrible. on Kevin Smith. How do you ruin our property like that? Jesus, man. Oh, man. Anyway, no, nothing God. sacred. Nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. Not even the Muppets. Yeah. Not even Gonzo. I like Gonzo because he was a weirdo. Yeah, he yeah. stood out. And he still yeah. does, but for the wrong reasons now. For the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Just just to segue back to uh, <laughs> the uh, the political <laughs> evil. Uh, but, yeah, like, Bl- BlackRock is really, like, it's almost like you have Skeletor running this thing. It's, like, that evil when you look at how people are thinking behind the scenes. Well, you, you said uh, it best. I mean, who's who? everybody that's in the Biden administration happens to be working for? BlackRock. BlackRock. Yeah. Michael Pyle, uh, Wally and Yemo. Um, like, there's all of these guys who are very high level in, in Biden, and they're all working there. Um, they're managing $7 trillion of assets. They were hired by the Fed to buy up properties for on behalf of the Fed. Like, they're so enmeshed to the top-down structures. And so- whose specialty, Matthew, happens to be properties and assets. Not See, if they had a currency crisis, whenever the Fed has a currency problem, they call mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan's the best there is at handling currency. They're the mm-hmm. best there is at handling currency. If you want to handle commodities and then uh, you want to do something offshore with various countries, Goldman Sachs would be the criminals that you'd want to call, right? But if you want to do something domestically that has to do with mortgage-backed securities, properties, and other like commercial assets, BlackRock. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not a, 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 a like some happenstance that right after LIBOR we had BlackRock come in. BlackRock's been tapped to go in the Fed, and now BlackRock is all over buying. And within shortly, they were buying you know properties all over the place, right? Housing complexes, left and right. And then it's not a coincidence that the, the, the a great deal of powerful individuals that are the decision makers for Biden, not you know these are people that help him out. No, these are the decision makers for Biden are BlackRock employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is not a coincidence. And yeah, like just to be very specific, so people are, are don't think we're just generalizing here, like. Brian Deese is the director of National Economic Council of, of, of the United States. Like, that's the former head of BlackRock Sustainable Investing. Uh, Wally Adyamo is the, uh, the, uh, the, the deputy secretary of the Treasury of the United States. He is the former senior advisor of BlackRock. Um, Mike Pyle is the, a former BlackRock strategist. He is Kamala Harris's chief economic advisor. I mean, there's there's more. There's more. These are just the ones that popped out immediately when I was just looking through the, the little short list. Um, so yeah, like, and then on the one, and then on the other hand, 
in terms of like agricultural real estate, like they, these guys have everybody trying to like jump into, you know, who people who see that the, the ship of state is the Titanic and they're, they're looking for ways to preserve their, their, uh, capital and they're, they're, you know, getting absorbed into Bitcoin and other cryptos and stuff like that, that are, that are totally being dominated by the governing class. And, um, sorry. Meanwhile, what are the, what are people who are part of the giving pledge in this whole technocratic elite? What are what are they? I, I sort of call them elite. I hate that word, but uh, what are they buying? They're buying not only real estate. They're buying like Bill Gates is now the number one agricultural landowner in the United States. Oh, I Warren can't Buffett wait to have is, some GMO uh, rice. I don't know about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, I think we've been eating that all, already, haven't we? I, <laughs> but but yeah, and Warren Buffett. I mean, he's the primary owner of rail lines, whatever the decrepit rail lines we have in North America. I mean fact is they're still useful and uh and he owns them and that's what's like going to be a primary transporter of oil petroleum Who needs as well the as keystone food. xl pipeline when we uh -huh. have when you have low speed rail nothing's better than low speed rail oh, i think yeah. i think with this deindustrialization folks we're going to lose our bandwidth internet because it's too much it's too carbon intensive we might be going back to dial up yeah yeah well you got to stop and smell the flowers right that's the prog progress of the future is take it slow and stop growing just that's that's the that's the the new wisdom um and and you know but also this whole like neo feudalism i've had people who've actually told me like ecology students people who are actually ecology professors even i've i've listened to speeches by these people actually trying to defend the dark ages as being a time when we were more in harmony with nature and we should learn from the dark ages when the population collapsed you know, a, a, I think it's like a third Why or more they... of the population of the world yeah. collapsed under yeah. the Dark Ages. That's the great role model time for a lot of these these feudal technocrats. I wish they died. Uh, these old ratchety ass boomers that are still in the in the global empire. These worthless assholes. I, I hope they die and die quickly. This, I mean, they they literally sit there in their think tanks and mentally masturbate each other about the Dark Ages. These people are sick. Yeah, yeah, they are. They really are. And these are guys who like they 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 despise the Renaissance, that period that came after the Dark Ages that involved not only the population curve starting a massive exponential growth function, but also all of if you think about what was behind that, what underlied that statistic was all of the discoveries, the growth of democracies of 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 the idea that a law emanates not from the will of the the um uh, bloodline class running in power in a master-slave society, that was no longer seen as the basis of the authority of, of national laws, but it was rather the consent of the governed, the general welfare um, that defined whether a law was good or not, and the idea of organizing your society around a, a, in such a way that both cherished the minds of individuals while at the same time defended the welfare of a whole nation that came out of the renaissance too that's why you had so many discoveries happen from people who were not part of the aristocratic class like da vinci you know this guy was like a bastard son of not really much of a high level person but he was educated he was given a classical training um he was allowed and encouraged to tap into qualities of his mind and soul that allowed for the all sorts of breakthroughs in everything he put his mind to and so many people had access to the da vinci principle um, and that's what these guys think is unnatural. They, that's what they think has to be stopped. And even in Al Gore's uh, inconvenient uh, truth book, 
I forgot the name Earth in the Balance or I forgot yeah. the name of the book that he, he built. Inconvenient lie: How I invented the internet. That book. Yeah, <laughs> he has a whole chat. <laughs> it's tubes. It's, it's, yeah. it's these tubes. The internet, and uh, we're trying to describe it in, in Congress. Like, what is the internet? It's tubes. Um, the uh, but in the book, he like has a whole chapter against Prometheus. He actually talks about the Renaissance and the Promethean idea as being what is unnatural and what's what turned us into a cancer in Mother Gaia, Earth. Um, so these guys are all organizing. They've been organized through their special special brainwashing in their education system, uh, which is not the same as your average you know community college kid, uh, to become re- religious cultish adherents to a cosmology and a philosophy of society that is ultimately, you could say it, satanic, because, and maybe not all of them would say that, or they don't necessarily worship Baal or something, not all of them, but they literally think that what makes human beings divine and good, the, the thing that, that makes life divine and sacred and something you can't measure with money is the very thing that they think is unnatural that should be crushed. So it's it's completely antithetical to the very existence of of reality and the good and what you know. So it's it's really over the top. But they're they're committed to that. But again, that's why I really love Russia and China. And I, I think right now, I mean, there's problems in both countries. And I'm not trying to say it's all peachy keen, but you the the fact is you have for the first time an organized grouping of powers on the earth that are working together that represent two very different cultural groups, Christian and Confucian, Chinese Buddhist, uh, as well as now increasingly Iran, you know, representing the, the Persian culture, the Islamic cultural worlds, all uniting together over a common understanding that we have to organize society under yeah. a very different paradigm that animates our foreign policy, <clears throat> our space policy, geopolitical, everything has to be defined by a different set of parameters. You know, if it wasn't for the multipolar world, you know, everything, all the madness that happens in the West, and we in the West think all the madness that happens in our country and the elites of our country have somehow influence and real power overseas. They don't. And we in the West are somehow fooled into thinking that everything that happens in our country and the way people think in our country that people in other countries think the way we do. They don't. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for the multipolar world, I would have completely lost all hope for humanity. Let me tell you that, because uh, going into January 2020, uh, January, uh, uh, I'm sorry, January 2021, um, with all the crap that's happened here in the U.S., um, you know, the hope that the that the U.S. had under Trump to be part of that multipolar world was completely dashed to pieces. And uh, so it was very disheartening. You know, because not just because I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. That's not what it's about. It's about I'm rooting for my country. I'm mm-hmm. rooting for the United States to be a great nation amongst great nations because we have a lot of weaknesses that are overlooked because of Hollywood has plastered over those weaknesses. We believe certain propagandas like we're the best, we're the best, we have the best military, we have the best, we have the biggest economy in the world. None of these things are reality, folks. None of these things are true. That's all a lie. Yeah. And, you're, and, and the American worldview Okay, the way the, the, the Americans view the world is 100% lie. It's completely backwards. And everything that you've learned, everything you've been taught since you were a kid, folks, is an abject lie. It's completely inverse. And when you start looking at it from backwards, you're like, holy crap, it makes a lot more sense. And, dude, it's like if it wasn't for the multipolar world that's being led by China and Russia, I would have lost all hope, bro. 
Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Absolutely. It, uh, I would not be doing this with you right now. In fact, we probably would be dead. Um, because yeah. <laughs> I, I try to make this point to people who who are like really big Putin haters is that like, look, as much as you might hate admitting this, um, when you look at the evidence over the past seven years, Putin saved your life probably about seven or eight times, maybe more easily. Um, easily, like it's just not only you know stopping the Iraq operation in Syria. Um, there has been countless, countless efforts to spark something that could have escalated to nuclear war many times over. Um, the whole BRI has prevented them from blowing out. You think they didn't want to blow out the system earlier? They could have. They're, oh, they, they, they we've to. been in a 1929, you know, a position now for quite some time. And the point of like just putting a little pinprick into the bubbles that they'd built up over decades, that was there back in 2008, 2009. Yep. Um, you know, they, they tried Copenhagen, like COP14. That was 2009, December. Yep. They tried to get binding decarbonization agreements already set under a world, new world government bodies to enforce the depopulation of countries back in 2009. Who who stopped that from going through, to, from becoming made into law such that now they're, they're still trying to get that, you know, here 12, 11, 12 years later with COP27 and upcoming, what is it, November? It was China and, and it was India. Yep. And Russia, yep. but specifically at that time, China and India, with a couple of their allies and Russia, locked themselves in a room, didn't uh, participate in any of the meetings, and basically the whole thing was flushed. Obama had to leave embarrassed. Merkel had to like cry home. And I remember you know, that Mer Moti went home crying. I remember that Moti was crying. We have to save the planet, and she was trembling, Matthew. She was trembling. We have to save the world. We only have at that time five years oh, before global global climate change kills us all. Pathetic, pathetic. And then they yeah. unleashed Greta Thunberg on us. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. bring us to our knees. <laughs> the big guns. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's exactly that. So I mean, the the fact is, the reason why they haven't been able to blow up the economy is that China and Russia have merged in an alliance which of survivors that has created a climate with a multipolar great greater Eurasian partnership associated with it that has, you know, anybody listening to your show already knows this, but I'm just going to say it anyway, but it has a, a, a not only an economic aspect with the Belt and Road Initiative that has 130 plus countries, but they're doing military drills currently in August, Russia and China with 10,000 troops in uh, Tianjin, which involve uh, like several weeks of giant, uh, a single, a single unified command structure, which is underway right now. There it is. Uh, as a, um, yeah, very clear. I think anybody trying to understand what was it that that caused the British destroyer, the HMS uh, the, Queen I, I, Elizabeth? The, yeah, the yeah. you have the HMS Queen Elizabeth, and you have the HMS the, the British uh, destroyer that was in the Black Sea, the HMS Defender. I yeah. like to call it the PMS Pretender. But go ahead. Yeah. But people are all confused. Like, what? It, how was it that they they were there to like set up provocations in Chinese waters using freedom of nav navigation, and then China did something, slapped them down, and had them like heading for the hills to safer ground, and they didn't go through with their plan. That's why they 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 sailed all the way across uh, the world to get yep. there was to basically do what they did to Russia, uh, you know, a month ago in uh, around Ukraine. It's because of that. Like, it's a very clear statement. Um, to the West that this is a war that they cannot win. Russia and China are totally uh, solidifying their security cooperation partnership programs. Um, and, you know, like it, this is why they haven't been able to blow out the economy because if the, if they blew out the bubble while there's this alternative functional growing financial architecture based upon win-win cooperation, not zero-sum logic, 
that's inviting everybody to join around the world to work on big projects together to build their full spectrum economies and increase their productive powers of labor, whether it be it in Africa, in Asia, or even the Chinese have offered officially Canada and the, and the United States to also join in building things together that are real. Um, if they blew up the economy while that's still happening, everybody would jump on board with the BRI and the multipolar alliance. So they have had to hold back from their pinprick. And it's been, uh, they've been stressed. I mean, the oligarchs have been losing sleep for years now over the fact that what do you do? How do you play this game? Because China and Russia are not falling for the traps that have been set again and again and again. They just don't bite. Iran has withheld. They've used the most incredible self-restraint over so many provocations of assassinations and sabotage and nuclear uh, reactors being bombed and chemical you know, uh, warehouses and, and factories being bombed and, and sabotaged by Israeli forces. Despite all of that, they've they've withheld. They haven't gone for the full, you know, they're being blamed for everything. Yeah. And and so you have this. And so what are they doing now? You see things like, uh, uh, I know we're running out of time, but you have things like the, uh, what is it called? We, we, the, we got uh, time. We go as long as you want. Yeah. All right. Well, you got false flags being set up like the cyber polygon, right? Yep. So they're, they're now just saying, let's go full hog. If we can't destroy them, let's just try to like solidify the, the new iron wall between East and West as best as we can try to do things to destabilize them asymmetrically by, by putting new efforts that Trump had pulled back on, but of CIA and, and clandestine funding of terrorist groups to sabotage the BRI in the Middle East. Let's just put more influence and more uh, ammunition behind it, these types of asymmetrical things while at the same time, nominally removing the U S military from the Middle East. So let's, you know, that's part of the design there. Um, and let's just focus also on things like cyber attacks. Let's let's do these asymmetrical things that involve space-based cyber weaponry or cyber polygon. Like I said, they're gonna they've already started, as we saw with the capital so-called you know insurgency of the new you know <laughs> the of the twenty-first century. Um, that was total like that. That was not a real crisis that we're being told is like the basis for new domestic terror bills. But Cyber Polygon is something which has been put into motion. They did the first one last year. They just did one a few weeks ago, which are these like war games over what would happen under the condition that the entire internet goes dark, that all the power grids get shut down by a cyber attack from Russia or China sure. or some maybe working with a domestic uh, nationalist grouping that might be Trump affiliated or something, you know? Um so they're just planting the seeds and running these these scenarios, which are jarring, that involve AIG, it involves Amazon, who are participating, Bank of America, Santander, uh, I mean, JP Morgan, the Swift, UBS, like the, the craziest banks and multinational corporations, yep. PayPal, uh, are all involved with this thing. So I, I do think that people should be aware that, you know, the internet is not this, you know, uh, it's not like gravity. Gravity is there whether you have the planet Earth or not. There's gravity. It's a function of the universe. The internet has a certain infrastructure that allows this to happen. Correct. It could be also taken down with all of the things you thought existed in digital space, in the yep. internet of things. Um, hospitals, you know, would go into chaos if, if something like this happened. So this is something I think people do have to be aware of. Um, Russia and China are still offering despite everything 
all of branches to work together. Like Russia has recommitted itself, even though they're, they're likely going to leave the U.S. controlled International Space Station. They did still commit to building this giant laboratory that uh, until 2024. And people are wondering, well, why is it that Russia, who's being treated so badly, they're being blamed for all sorts of things, for almost destroying the ISS. The, you know, that's what the Western media has been saying. Russia, you know, they, they put their, their giant laboratory capsule on the ISS and then some thrusters went off for a few seconds, uh, which nearly destroyed things and killed all the astronauts. And it's like, no, that's not what happened. They, their thrusters did accidentally go off. It pushed them a few feet out of their orbit and they corrected it immediately things happen. It was corrected, relaxed, yeah. but you know, oh, yeah. the Russian space program is so terrible that America uses Russian rockets to get our satellites into space. That's how bad right. the Russians are. That didn't stop. Yeah. They're still using the Soyuz to, to hop yeah. a flight to get to the low earth orbit. Right. Yeah. And, and so we're waiting for Elon's uh, SpaceX um, uh, mega spaceship thing to actually work. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's just, oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, and, what, and so this is what yeah. people don't realize. Like, you know, when NASA says, uh, you know, we can't go back to the moon because uh, we lost telemetry, that's a bunch of bullshit. We have the perfect telemetry to where the moon is. What NASA lost is engineering talent to go there. Mm -hmm. They lost engineering talent. They, they did dismantle. I'm actually writing an article series on this right now on, on space diplomacy, but yeah, like they, they, there was a conscious dismantling of the tech that they did develop. And they retired capsules. They put rockets into storage facilities to collect dust um, and museums uh, instead of just using them. They canceled programs that were on the verge of making these breakthroughs on nuclear rockets back in the 60s and 70s. They were all canceled for the sake of going into Vietnam instead. That's where they thought money would be better spent. Um, and yeah, like you said, the key thing is we've lost the actual minds that understood real science that are now in their 90s or dead. Yep. Um, and the new generation has mentally a lot of handicaps because they've been trained in a different world using mostly computer modeling rather than actually building things, which doesn't really work very well if you have to solve real world problems. So that's a huge that's the biggest crisis right there. I think you're right. Whereas so again, like Russia and China that have really built up serious capacities on every level. Um, they are still holding out offers for us to to work with. I mean, the U.S. has made it illegal as of under Obama to work with China on space technology. China still and that's why China has had to go solo. And now they have they're going to have their their own space station in just a couple by 2022. They already have it in the in the air. It's, it's already in, in yep. uh, low Earth orbit. Um, it's going to be huge and it's going to become the only one by 2024 when the ISS is retired. Russia wants still to work with the U.S., as does China, on a variety of things. Though, again, Russia is preparing to have its own nuclear-powered space station. They're also in negotiations with China currently. Uh, Rogozin just made this announcement not that long ago that they're both going to uh, collaborate on China's space station, which they want to fly over Russia so that they get, get to it easier. Um, they have both programs. China especially has a huge program for asteroid defense to launch to both identify more of the near earth orbits that pose a danger to the earth because there's a lot we haven't we have not identified Correct. we just had a big flyby of something the size of the pyramid of giza and i'm not that close but in astronomical terms fairly close you know just outside of the you know out, outside of the the moon's orbit which is again statistically uh relevant and a big extinction cycle event could happen 
at it will happen. We just don't know when. It's not likely going to happen necessarily in the next coming years, but it will look at look at the fossil records. So why not start now? And China is already really putting a massive amount of energy into creating systems to deflect. You know, they've got a program to take something like 900 uh, tons of uh, of um, machinery of, of fuel and everything else and just fly something like 30 rockets up to a um, an asteroid on trajectory. Um, and deflect its its trajectory before it, it actually hits. So that there's all sorts of things of that sort that involve the space silk road, as they've called it, and they want to work with us. There's no and if you look at it, what Trump was doing was the right idea. He wasn't just defunding like or disconnecting the CIA's clandestine involvements with the military. He was doing that. He did cut off funding for things like any the National Endowment for Democracy that was key for for CIA regime changes. Um, but also, you know, he did set up things like the Artemis Accords, which is very antithetical. It's a very different way of thinking about space than Space Force. Space Force is entirely a deep state type of operation defined around uh, war fighting in space with a new branch of the military. That's full different spectrum from domination. Full spectrum. <laughs> yeah, extending just a geopolitical cage uh, around the Earth from space. Yeah, we're going we're to dominate the most yeah. indebted country in the world whose number one exports are trash and recyclables is going yeah. to dominate. Yeah, the yeah, dumbest yeah. country in the world with the education rate being the lowest in the developed world is going to dominate. I think we have a better chance of sitting around right here on our rear ends on solid terra firma and discovering new genders. I, I yeah. The the video games that they're that they're using in the in the military and DARPA really has convinced them that that they are the dominant force. That, yeah, and, uh, and dude, it's Activision, the same people who make like uh, Call of Duty and crap like that. It, it's a revolving door between DARPA, Activision, Ubisoft, and Electronic Arts. Mm. So they literally the ones who are creating these computer sims, these war games that soldiers are using. Number one, uh, to to think that they're invincible, they're not. Uh, and then number two, recruiters are using, and these dumbass kids are like, I'm going to sign up and. Uh, you know, freedom's not free, so I got to go uh, fight for freedom. Well, you know, it's not a coincidence that a lot of these video games, they they did all of the video games came out of the military industrial complex, like you just said. And and I mean, a lot of them were, were designed in the 1970s um, in order to condition, to, to overcome the problems faced by soldiers in Vietnam who had a difficult time shooting a real human being. And that's difficult when you're actually there. It's different different from just like shooting at a target. Now you've got a human being a, a, in front of you. And yeah, sure, like having a lot of, you know, heroin and stuff and drugs in, in Vietnam helped somehow loosen people up a bit. But it wasn't that successful ultimately. And so these video games, giving people as much of an immersion into a real simulation where you could kill and get used to killing, created a very effective um, response on the field in the Middle East where uh, they, people didn't have a problem, you know, killing a bunch of a grouping of people at a wedding party or something who uh, their algorithms were telling them were terrorists because that's how their <laughs> the people on the ground were like moving kind of like the, the computer program said a terrorist cell should operate. And so, you know, people actually operating the drones were like, that's probably a wedding party, but I don't have a, I'm just going to hit. It's kind of like a video game. So I'm just going to like press the red button anyway, because um, they were trained on video games that, that were really real. And, um, yeah, that's how they also recruited a lot of these drone operators. Yeah. And the uh, other thing I want to make the audience aware, okay, the International Space Station, the majority of that space station was built and operated and still operated by the Russians. FYI, the U.S. Mm -hmm. is not the majority there in, in, the, uh, in the International Space Station. So Russia's departure at the end of this year is a big setback for them.
Big setback. Yeah. And Russia might stay there until 2024. They might, but they might. it's not in stone. But the point is, yeah, it's a huge setback. And like, I, I didn't finish my point that I, I almost forgot about, but the Artemis Accords, that's that's the thing that if you actually look at the Artemis Accords, it's not like Space Force. That was what Jim Bridenstein, the the, the former head of NASA, he's a good guy. He's friends with the Russians. He's friends with uh, with uh, Dmitry Rogozin, the head of uh, Roscosmos. And, um, and the whole point is to legally bind nations of the world to a agreement that involves the non-militarization of space and also looking at things like space mining and things like that as something that would be you know the right of all nations to have certain zones where they would develop the space resources which is the next if we're able to overcome mass extinction here in the moment that will be the next domain of human evolution in the universe as we go out into space into the infinite, it will be obviously mining the moon, mining asteroids, going to develop habitation on Mars, learning about the formation of the solar system and going beyond. That will be the or the orientation. So the, the thing though, is it got contaminated early on by a bunch of military industri industrial kooks that wanted to just, you know, privatize space, make it a space tourism thing, you know, just all sorts of things that made Jeff Russia Bezos not want to jump on board. Jeff Bezos is going to save us. Are you kidding me? Jeff Bezos and his yeah. uh, dildo rocket is going to save us all. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it's pitiful. It's so pitiful. But it's so yeah. bad. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but all that to say, like Russia and China's orientation right now, their commitment towards a philosophy of win-win cooperation on the earth and beyond is should give people hope and it should give people who want to have a future something to organize around. Because you don't have to like, you know, I, I, I encounter so many people from the anti-vax world and things like that and um, the pro-Trump, you know, universe. And, you want to um, encounter flat earthers? <laughs> yeah, there's some of those too. <laughs> but the, you know, like people who are, who go into the conspiracy theory world sometimes don't know where to stop. Like you know, no, when you, don't like, know. like my grandma said, you know, when you when you let your your you should always have an open mind, but don't keep it so open that your brains fall out. Yeah, <laughs> um, that there's a lot of that. But the point is, a lot of people they they have this lack of solution orientation, and and they know that there's this technocratic world government agenda to kill them. They get that. They see that. They're not that blind. But they don't get what Russia and China are doing. And no, so don't. their ability to organize their time and their efforts into other people is super decrepit and pitiful. So they're they're just like wandering. They're wandering. And I'm just saying, like, don't start from scratch. Like you have nation states organizing themselves in the defense of the general welfare with action to back it up, um, which is keeping the oligarchs that you hate and fear that are centered in the you know, it's the it's the it's the transatlantic zone. That's the 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 base of operations of the actual um, progenitors of this evil outlook. They're they're being kept up at night in fear of this multipolar alliance. So do more of what your enemy is afraid of. If you identify that. Yep. You know, don't assume that Russia or China or Venezuela or Chavez from the dead are at the heart of the U.S. overthrow of Trump or, uh, you know, COVID-19 dictatorships. They're not. No. They're not. Absolutely not. And, and, and uh, again, you know, one of the things uh, uh, that I found out, and I mentioned this, um, let's see here. I, I, I mentioned this when I was um, on the air a few days ago, was uh, this very thing. And I actually met, I think I put it in my, in our, in our uh, geostrategic group, and this is the fact that um, where the heck was it? By the way, I gotta say you're getting better at uh, doing at, at playing the role of of CJ Light. 
Yeah, I am. I'm getting better. I, I oh. haven't I haven't screwed up this broadcast as of yet. Not no, no, you're multitasking well. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. So so far, so far, you know. At the end of 2019, 106 samples tested positive for coronavirus antibodies in nine U.S. states. Okay. Mm-hmm. Many of the states saw vaping lung illness outbreaks. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Remember that was like, oh, so and so died of vaping illness, vaping lung disease, and they were all blaming blaming the vapes, right? I remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Fort Detrick was abruptly shut down by the country CDC out of nowhere. Considering the facts, do you think that the World Health Organization should investigate the United States as part of the origin tracing study of COVID nineteen? And that was a that was a um, a a poll that was put out globally. 86% of the global respondents said yes. Mm. Because, look, when you have nine states and 106 antibody samples from nine U.S. states in early 2019, I'm sorry, late 2019, reporting COVID yeah. before the first month, like a month, over like two months before even even had an outbreak in Wuhan, you got you to gotta call some bullshit on something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I was down. I I, uh, I never told you this, but back in September of t- t- uh, 2019, I went to the hospital. I was never that sick in my life. Same I didn't have respiratory here. disease. You too. Same okay. here. Dude, December 29, uh, I think November 2019, I was, something hit me that literally laid me out. Like I was out for like two days. I was like, oh my God, I could not me too. move. That's interesting. I know a few yeah. people like this who have been in our boat around that same time. And again, like I was, I thought I was going to die. Like I never thought that about being sick before, but there I was feeling like, okay, I'm going to die. I was like thinking about writing my will, but I was all like, you know, hallucinogenic. And just, um, yeah, no, there's something going around. That was weird. That was definitely an anomaly. And, uh, and for sure, like everyone's putting all of this focus on uh, the Wuhan labs, but you know, like, as the Chinese, the head of the Chinese CDC and others have, have made the point, not the head of the Chinese CDC, it was somebody else, uh, but a high level person in the Chinese foreign ministry as, uh, uh, had recently stated in um, February of this year that the U.S. runs 200 international bio labs. 206 and international bioweapons labs around the world. 206. They're like opening that, up a new one, too. Where, guess, where, guess where the US, the latest U.S. bioweapons lab is going to be opened in? Manhattan. Uh, Okay. <laughs> Usually, you put it in a, in a, in a dense, you know, in, in a sparsely populated area out in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, they're putting it in the heart of the city because yeah, they have the, they love us. They want to yeah. protect us. They, don't you feel the love, Matthew? Absolutely. Don't you feel the love? Don't you go when you go to your local uh, governor or, or go to the airport? Just swing by the airport. You can feel the love over there. Yeah, it's like being hugged by a giant boa constrictor. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> love you to but, death. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Yeah, so definitely putting putting some focus on like what the hell are they doing there? I mean, the U.S. the U.S. Uh, military industrial complex has a huge history of biological warfare on other people as well as its own people. The Tuskegee experiments and everything else going back to the 1950s and before. Um, it's like nobody is paying attention at all to who has the mo, who has carried out dark winter exercises, the operation lockstep Rockefeller foundation funded projects for, you know, these pandemic scenarios in 2011 event 201. Was that all just Chinese CPC government, you know, funded? No, I mean, the Chinese were invited. The CD Chinese CDC was invited to like have a seat at it. Does that mean that they were orchestrators or directors of it? No. Were they invited to be part of the Rockefeller operation lockstep? No. It's like, the amount of low-level superficial thinking is is Here's really a video got- showing all the bioweapons labs. Oh, look at that! I want to. This is freedom. You don't like the freedom, Matthew? What's wrong with you, man? Oh, you gotta you gotta share that with me. That's useful. Yeah. 
There you okay. go. Okay. Galp's oh, yeah. Laboratory. Oh, okay. say can you sneeze by the dawn's early blight? Was so proudly we inhaled at the chemtrail's last gleaming, whose broad sprays and dim lights on a population so. I'm just gonna stop right over Are you ad libbing that? Are dude, I'm ad libbing, like... dude. Freestyle. That's brilliant. Yeah, thank you, sir. That's... I try. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. No, definitely send me that. That's uh, that's very useful. Yeah, this is uh, for all the freedom loving. Uh... See, folks, in order for us to have an adult conversation about these things, you got to break the paradigm. You got to get out of this mindset, like you, the, the whole, this whole military worship nonsense that that occurs. Like, oh my God, thank you for your service, folks. Let me explain something. The military has done jack shit in fifty years for your freedom. I'll repeat myself again. The military has done jack shit for your freedoms in fifty years. But they did make corporate America a whole lot wealthier. They did a lot for Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies and multinational banks, defense contractors, and globalists throughout the world. So here, here. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. We need more Smedley Butlers. Yeah, Dude, I challenge anybody to go read the book Wars a Racket <clears throat> by Smedley Butler. Read that book. It's amazing. There's actually um, an interesting general in, in Taiwan. Do you hear about this guy? Who uh, he retired? You you know what he did the the second he retired? No what? Um, oh, what's his name here? Let me just get his name here. It's uh, General Kao An Kuo, very high level general. So he retired a couple of weeks ago. He makes a video, sends it out to the entire Taiwanese military, saying that uh, they have to they have to overthrow the Taiwanese government under a military and reunite with the Chinese mainland Boom. Uh, to stop World War III. And uh, I think he's got arrested. He's like, okay, I'll just take it. It's, it's worth it. Um, okay. Now he's, But that's big. Like, that's a oh, big, big, <clears throat> big. You know what? And, and again, we talked about this last week. Where's all the fentanyl coming out of? Hong Kong, which is a Kong, well, which is a den for CIA. They called it the CIA of the Pacific. Yep, CIA uh, is Hong Kong, and then Taiwan, which is also another CIA hotbed. These Hong are, Kong, these, Taiwan, and Macau, Macau, which is also Portuguese run yes. colony until nineteen ninety nine. Correct, and and the whole thing is uh, as well is because they're all CIA hotbeds. And and here's the thing: the cocaine import agency is very good. And that's why they're known as the cocaine import agency. They they're wonderful at narco trafficking. They're not going to mm-hmm. stop at fentanyl. Unreal. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, and that's also why they, <clears throat> I think they're they're willing to take the losses in Afghanistan of like not having the Afghanistan as the hotbed for international heroin, which I mean still supplies eighty percent, but increasingly nowadays heroin is not a driving uh, force in the drug cultural warfare as it has been over the decades past. It it was, um, and you know when the Taliban were in control up until nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Her- they they the one good thing that they did is that they did cut off all heroin production or opium production in Afghanistan down to I think it went down to five percent of the world heroin. As soon as the U.S. and their allies went in under collective security, it, it jacked up to ninety percent. Now it's eighty percent. But the reason why they're like able to take the cut now is that again the the focus of or the replacement of heroin has increasingly been found in fentanyl, Correct. which. Is they still control that? That and anybody it, who is afraid of like it, you want to know something, you yeah. could literally mark on a calendar. Look, I look at data and metrics every single day. That's I, I live my life by that. I, I get paid to do this. It's what I do, right? It's what I do. 
I do one thing and I do it well. So you can literally look at the calendar, Matt. And as soon as the U.S. started losing Afghanistan, which was only within a few months of them actually getting there, right? And that's why they had the green zone, which is just around Kabul. Mm-hmm. And then we've, and as soon as they started losing Afghanistan and the Taliban started coming back and then the opium plants were getting hit, you could mark your calendar. That was the jump off point when you started seeing that all of a sudden fentanyl started hitting the market. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And here you have, okay, here, here's uh, over 20 years in a bloody war in Afghanistan, 20 years in Afghanistan. Over $6 trillion lost, maybe even more, okay? They're not telling us the actual numbers. And at the end result, what do you have? You have the Taliban meeting with the Chinese. Here's Tiger Wang in order to discuss economic trade and cooperation. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. No, I mean, th- this whole game, it, it, it blew, because they're not creative. Like, ultimately, the, the formula that the, the oligarchs operate on is not qualitatively different today than it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, it's ultimately organized by the same limited um, spectrum of choices of divide to conquer, make people dumb, put them on drugs if possible, um, keep them thinking, keep your victims thinking very locally about their own existence and their priorities so that they don't pay attention to the broader uh, hands shaping their destinies into a slaughterhouse. That's always been, that's what the, you know, uh, the Babylonians did with their slaves. It's what you had in the worst times of Egypt. That's how uh, things were organized there too. And I say the worst times because there were also very Renaissance good times in Egypt at different moments. Um, it's a, it's the way the British Empire organized its entire globally extended empire under a systems, a closed systems view of divide to conquer. Um, and it's the same thing that they're doing today. And ultimately, when you have really creative people who want a future, they will think always outside of the conditions of the fixed set of rules of the game theory game that they're being told that they have to play in, they're going to be like, no, this is a fake game. There's no win if I follow any of the rules. So I'm going to make my own rules that are more in conformity with the rules of nature and not the rules of some like, you know, master class that wants to rule over me. It's that simple. And China has done it. They've created conditions. They've created new principles that change the game. And the game masters are like, you can see these like rageful adolescent, did you say game masters or gay masters? Both. They're both. They're both. <laughs> but just raging over, you know, they're the people who are breaking the rules of the game. And they're like, no, you can't do that. It's like, yo, they did it. So there, <laughs> deal with it. People are sick, man. Yeah. What's this? What are we? What's this Pakistan thing? This is the uh, uh, President Khan of Pakistan uh, calling out. He says that the U.S. really messed up in Afghanistan, says Pri- uh, Pakistan Prime Minister Imran Khan, the famous cricketer Imran Khan. So what, what are they? What are they saying? Well, right now, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the Taliban have not only sat down with uh, China, but they're also sat down with the Pakistani government, and uh, they, they're going to be forming uh, the trade corridor between China, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and all of that. Um, mm. It's, uh, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the right. Taliban says, I mean, it's, it's a repressive regime. No fan of the Taliban whatsoever. But there's going to be some uh, economic actual stability. Uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. Some actual stability there. See, Trump knew all of this. Yeah. Trump wanted to negotiate for a a, a a a a cooperative government between the people that are the the, the more secular, moderate uh, people that are in uh, Afghanistan, like uh, 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 a Ghani, President Ghani, right here in Afghanistan, right. Mm-hmm. And his coalition, along with the Talibs, to create a, a, a unitary, a, a unity government. 
yeah. in order to build Afghanistan. That was Trump's vision. He wrote it down. He had a he was absolutely on the money for that. Can't fault the guy, right? The guy's good when it comes to trade and 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 business. So he he nailed it there. That's gone. Now it's just the Taliban. You know it's going to be repressive. You know women are going to go back underground. There's not going to be any music and God knows what else. But there's going to be some economic development. The Taliban has said, oh, we see we were a little too repressive. We won't be as much. We'll be more moderate this time around. We'll allow women to go to school and all this other stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, but at the end of the day, it's what, a waste of, what a waste of time it was for the U.S. What a Total. bloody waste total waste of time and and you know the the best thing you can hope for is that because china is changing the environment the the economic environment in which the taliban exists and russia is doing the same thing too pakistan is going to be increasingly getting on board and helping um you, you you've got to have a sense that they're able to behave like there's there's a good behaviorism too there's bad behaviorism that's usually how it's used but you can also modify behavior uh, for a higher end as well, it happens. And this is a case of it where they're creating conditions where they, they've got the Taliban in a sense, um, recognizing that if it wants to have its self-interest maintained, it has to now, uh, keep in check the more radical CIA, Saudi, Qatar, Turkey sponsored terrorist cells around, because this is what's going to be deployed to run operations against Chinese funded infrastructure in the zone. That's what they want to do. And China knows that. So they need to use the Taliban in a sense as a guard dog on the one hand, and also benefit from the economic development, um, which in time is at least going to create a new set of chemistry. It's, it's like a new chemistry in which that, that shapes the context in which Afghanistan exists with its neighbors that have now an environment of greater peace and stability that would allow for more progressive ideas to exist where, you know, unfortunately under the geopolitical, you know, closed system divide to conquer strategy, if that's the, or if, if chaos is your environment, yeah, the dogs of war are just going to fucking run, run wild. So, um, I think that China gets a, a hard time, you know, they get criticized a lot because when they go into Africa or they go into Nigeria or Congo or any other place to build infrastructure, they're often attacked by the, uh, the neoliberal Western, virtue signaling community because they tolerate, uh, you know, criminal networks or they, they tolerate radical groups oftentimes and, or corruption, right? They don't, they don't try to say you need to have good governance the way the world bank does before we give you a loan. They say, no, let's just build a project. Let's get it done. And if you do bribery as your way of doing things in this country, we'll just play by, that's the way you do things. We'll do things your way. And if, if that means 60% of the funding are going to get absorbed by, by bribery. Okay. But let's just build the damn project. Let's build the schools. Let's, and let's review and have a discussion again after this is done. That's the way you're actually going to build things. It takes time. And that's the way you're going to get peace is it takes time. You're not going to tell countries, okay, be good, be, be uncorrupt, you know, <laughs> which is already tough to take it when it's coming from the IMF and like the voices of London and wall street telling them how non-corruption works but so that's already really tough to swallow but then so, Matt, so you're, you're, they will let you develop uh infrastructure if you do that no that's why that's why nothing gets done that's why africa is still in a dark age after 60 years of successful imf and world bank investments so basically you're saying that back in 2020 matt that when we uh gave 100 120 billion dollars for uh gender studies in afghanistan that that was a waste <laughs> like whoever believed that crap should have been smacked upside the head is What's that what we did? Are you, are, you, are you serious? We did Yes. That? Yes. I'll pull it up. Watch. Damn. Um, well, that's a recipe for disaster. Oh, yeah, dude. 
on top of it being just useless it's also just inflammatory like if you're in a society that has like huge fundamentalist uh you know networks with terrorist affini uh, affinities to then promote that type of uh, you know radical left ideology in that environment is you're just creating a powder keg for chaos on top of it being even if you didn't have radical radical islamist ideologies you shall it's still useless it's, it's still negative value oh yeah there you are I found one for Pakistan. They also have one from Afghanistan. I think it was like a hundred million or something like that for Afghan gender. I'm studies. not surprised. I believe you. Because that's what we do. We don't export real, you know, we don't build bullet trains. Yeah. We 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 build genders. We export stupidity. That's what we do, bro. Sky's exceptional stand. We're exceptional. We want to spread our exceptionalness throughout the world. So mm. exceptional. I really of exceptionalness. I got a, a philosophical idea that's really rich. Um, people, people listening to this, rather than watching um, Netflix or whatever, read some Plato dialogues. And um, if you want to get a sense of like this, this sickness of gender studies and this idea that you could infinitely create infinitely more genders, because there's no reason why you can't um, read the um, the Philebus dialogue by Plato. It's a really great dialogue. Philebus, P-H-I-L-U-S. And it's maybe a three, four hour read. But it's, again, rich with idea cons like ideas that are of universal value that have really good use um where uh, plato or the character of socrates is having a discussion about how does the mind uh work in a healthy state and how does it investigate um reality outside of itself since there's a coexistence between the subjective internal universe of the mind and the objective external universe of reality that we were born into and that we are a part of so he gets the point that well everything seems to exist in at the same time, a state of being a one. So like I have one pen, uh, you know, everything could be defined as a one with an identity, but that one also can be broken down infinitely. So you could always divide a line into infinite subdivisions, right? That's where you yeah. get those paradox that, you know, you've got point A, point B, but every point, every point can be divided, right? Infinitely. Yeah. You, you shouldn't ever be able to get from point A to point B because you're always passing through the infinite small places. So you shouldn't, reach a purgatory so it's like that's a mathematical idea of infinite that's a that's a bad infinite because if you actually look at reality point a just got to point b it just happened right i just did it i didn't go through infinite places of, of infinite divisibility reality doesn't work that way that's a that's a an abstract mathematical construct which has use but it's very limited when you try to think that that's how you could understand reality and the other thing that plato said is in between the one and the infinite, because this is one, it is this one pen, it's infinitely divisible into, you know, I could feasibly do that if I wanted to, I suppose, um, in this mathematical world, but it's also a many, right? I could break it down into, into fundamental parts, the cap, this, I could break this down into parts. Um, I'm, I'm many limbs, I'm one body, I'm one mat, you're one V, you got like many limbs, you could break yourself down into many organs, many cells, you know, maybe like, you know, 20 trillion cells. But the point is, um, the one, the infinite and the many, coexist as three coexistent states but the mind of a fool will tend to jump from one extreme of the one to the infinite or the infinite to the one and they'll skip taking the time to understand the nature of a process and he gives the example of two things um of a harmony on a string and the different harmonic intervals so you have a string people who like music knows that that there's like you know do re mi fa so la si do each each one on that octave from do to do has a different frequency attached right yeah. 
and you move throughout. There's many, many octaves that you could build on a piano. There's like, you know, 13 different octaves that you go through and they're each one or on a violin, you could represent, a, you know, I don't know how many octaves, but a lot. And uh, within that infinite spectrum of sound, if you just run the violin bow up and down, you've got an infinite spectrum of sound. It's one harmony, it's one violin bow, mind you. So it's a one, it's an infinite, but within that you've got discrete uh, intervals that are not random, but that are organized in a harmonic way. He, the other example he gives and is the, uh, and it's re there's a reasonable reason, it's not arbitrary, why those intervals are where they are and not some other place. There's some, there's actually a way to investigate that. Um, and the other thing is the the sound of the, he goes at the uh, the vowels. Hmm. He says, you know, like, you know, we have uh, A-E-I-O-U, but he gives the example in the dialogue. And I guess in Greek, they had something similar where, you know, you go from like A-E-I-O-U, it's like one interval of E-I-O-U. And we chose to, to select moments of extremities within that where we labeled it a symbol of A-E-I-O-U, um, which are useful in constructing a language. So you got to take the time to explore and work through a process, whether it's an economy, whether it's music, whatever you're looking at, you take the time to really get at the essence of the thing before you start trying to pass judgment over the unity or the infinite divisibility of it. Now, these guys, so that, I mean, we, we can know immediately that when you're born as a human, you're either going to be male or female. There are certain reproductive conditions. There are certain- How dare you? How dare you assume my gender? That's super scandalous, eh? <laughs> but yeah, you got XY chromosomes that are not going to change regardless of the gender therapy you go through. That's still part of the fabric of who you are. Sorry. Um, you could identify as a, as a woman if you're born as a guy. That's cool. I mean, even Jordan Peterson says, you know, I'll, I'll, if that's what you want your, your identity to be, I'll respect that. And I will too. I mean, that that's fine. But don't assume that you're biologically a woman just because you are a, a woman in your emotions. Uh, or identity. It's different. Uh, so yeah, that, that hurts a lot of people, I think right? many men in the West are women with emotions. The Olympic Committee might hate that. <laughs> but, yeah. but so, but they don't agree with that idea of, they think that that's tyrannical. To impose a limited quantization onto anything is tyrannical. It's a tyranny of reason, which would be what Nietzsche would say. And they said, no, we have to have infinite liberty, liberty to have infinite possible, infinitely div divisible genders, which go on forever, like the infinite divided Zeno's paradox. It will never stop until it becomes so ridiculous that it can't sustain itself. Um, and that's, that's ultimately the way that these things always break down, either into dark age conditions where the whole system collapses under its own foolishness, or you have fortunately people who uh, are thinking outside of the fixed up obsolete rules of the the absurd game and like you know plato was trying to do um go outside of the imperial structures of athens of the day that he lived in which was you know being corrupted by the the different cults of delphi um that were part of the cult network of the elites that were also running persia that were you know in the midst of controlling the different and, uh, and eventually they became the venetians that's where it led up to. And today it's like the new the new cult uh, masters, uh, the priests of the modern age. They may not take use the same mythologies of the ancient brainwashing techniques of Zeus's and Hermes and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's Adam Smith is the new Isaac Newton, uh, John Locke. You got these different deities of the modern age, um, Hayek and Mises or whatever. Like there's just marks. Pick, pick your deity of a modern secular priesthood age darwin 
Um, and this might piss a lot of people off, but I mean, there are, ex there are individual uh, sacred cows that have become these unquestionable deities of science around which we make scientific reasons that when Biden says we're going to like manage our government scientifically, um, there, there's this thoughtless hive mentality, a Borg like mentality where you're just using these, these, um, the axioms, man, it's the, trust axioms. the science. We're going to use science. Uh, we're going to have a scientific control of our government. Be careful when they say scientific, because they're not talking about the best physicists, no, the, no, they're talking about social scientists. They're talking about the guy who has the, the humanities degree, the poli sci degree. <laughs> they're talking about that guy, the guy who's got gender studies, the guy who's who's uh, the, who's has a degree, uh, a doctorate in gay art therapy. That's the guy who's going to be managing your <laughs> yeah. life. Yeah, you, you, a doctor. Yes, yeah, doctor in what? I mean, you must be really yeah somebody I could I could really respect or I have to obey. Gay art therapy. That's <laughs> you get a PhD in shit like that. It's uh, it's really absurd, and that's what we're told. Yes, be, science is is become that. But the actual real scientists, like Da Vinci, who actually made the breakthroughs, or like Kepler, or like Leibniz, or like Plato, or you look at the actual real currents of real creative scientists that actually fought against this empire and fought to bring ideas from outside of the the limited control domain into reality that benefited everybody and allowed for these explosions in population growth that, you know, we were talking about Al Gore hating or David Suzuki hating. Um, you, you're not, we're not taught to read their writings in school, though we could, we could read Benjamin Franklin if we seek it out, but we don't, we're not allowed to learn his method of thinking about how he discovered electricity. No, no, no. We must only study Marx. Karl Marx was the most brilliant man who's ever lived. Uh, I believe we should also uh, study men like uh, Lenin and Trotsky and, uh, Yes, that's what I think we should study. Not Tolstoy, but Trotsky. Oh no, I, I mean, and it, whether it's whether it's on the left or on the right, right? Like you, you got you got figures yeah, like no. like Excuse that, me. or like Adam Smith. On the other hand, you get all of them. I, I, I digress. That was the junior level for our advanced class. Malthus only study John Malthus. We want to talk about a brain among men. Malthus was it. Well, and that's the interesting thing, right? Is that. Whether, whether you're looking at Marx or whether you're looking at uh, Smith, there ultimately there's certain common assumptions in both seemingly extremes that view the fundamental fabric of reality as a fixed system. Malthusian limits of population are ultimately embedded in both worlds. Uh, even the Austrian school, which was created by the Habsburg Empire in the 1860s um, under Karl Menger which gave birth to this whole thing of, you know, Mises as a student and, and Hayek, they ultimately all paid lip service and adhered to the assumptions of Thomas Malthus as well. Uh, von Hayek wrote treaties in defense of Thomas Malthus. Um, so it's really what they're, what, so what are we being deflected from actually investigating are the people like Alexander Hamilton, Ben Franklin, Frederick List, who brought in the Hamiltonian American system into Germany to create the German Zollverein and unite Germany around industrial programs and protectionism, who was brought into Russia under Alexander II and III to bring in industrial activity and growth into Russia with the greatest scientists like Mendeleev running the Committee on the Protective Tariff, the guy who discovered the periodic table of elements, who's like a political statesman studying the American system in Philadelphia, working with, with the Listians in Russia, as well as in Germany, working on you know things even in, in Asia. 
uh, to build the Trans-Siberian Railway that was supposed to connect down into China. So all of this is what you're not studying in political science or economics. Instead, you're being fed these other things, which were all created geopolitically to destroy and undermine the spread of real potent scientific ideas of economics, which really are a threat to the empire, and which I'll just say this at the end, um, are only being expressed currently on the earth by the Belt and Road Initiative, the New Silk Road of China and Russia. And yeah. Which is the only open economic system on the planet since our founding fathers attempted it for the second time in human history with 1776. Can I just make a plug? Yes. Go ahead, dude. All right. Um, on this note, it's a, it, I wasn't going to do this, but I just got my book in the mail. So anybody who wants to read this story Ooh, in more depth. That's your book, man? That's my book. It's nice, eh? Dude, it, pull it, it up to the camera. Pull it up to the screen. Let okay. me see it. So we got our... Uh, the Unfinished Symphony. Yeah, the so that's the... the... Of, look at you, you brainiac. Yeah, Clash to Americas. Got it's, like little, my, uh... it's like my man Vela said. I want to grow up and, you know, when I was in college, when I, when I wanted to grow up and become like Matthew Errett. <laughs> <laughs> Vels is brilliant. That's so. That's dude. Yeah. That's great. Wow. Um, I'm not saying he's brilliant because he wants to be like Matthew Aaron. I would just say <laughs> that's, no, that, no, that, Vels is brilliant. I love that. Vels. That stroke my it stroke my ego nicely. That's good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, and and so we got here a picture of uh, Ben Franklin um, at the Treaty of Paris in 1783, and it's an unfinished painting by Benjamin West, um, his buddy, who is the uh, the leading painter, the president of the British Royal Academy of Fine Arts. Uh, which is an interesting espionage story right there. But the painting was unfinished, which is why I called it the Unfinished Symphony, which really tells the story of, again, the Clash of Two Americas being the deep state America that stayed covertly within the United States after the revolution was done. It, this painting was never finished because the British uh, delegation refused to sit, obviously. And... Uh, the point we is have that conquering the, to do. We have indigenous people that we must conquer. And uh, yeah, the moment of this painting onward to reabsorb the United States from within, to corrupt it and break it and reabsorb it back into the empire, which is what Cecil Rhodes uh, was all about. That's what Thomas Huxley was all about oh, with on, his Matthew, uh, Matthew, ex uh, Yeah, I remember when I was a uh, I was uh, in Arkansas, and I, I remember so vividly. I said, Hillary, uh, I met her right in Yale. And uh, as soon as I got done with uh, Yale University, I went over to Oxford. And uh, that's where I became a Rhodes Scholar. And I, I learned everything that I need to learn. And I took an oath to destroy America. And I knew I was going to be president because I am, after all, uh, Winthrop Rockefeller's uh, real, you know, son. So, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. You you do that so well, man. I got to say, you got you to make some videos. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so all that to say, that's, and that's, that's going to be the story in volume two. Uh, this one goes from uh, 1776 to 1901. Then volume. Where two, can that's... we get this book? I want to buy some. All right. So go to Canadian. I was waiting for you to say that. So go to CanadianPatriot.org. Oh, I already or... have that in the description. So they can go to CanadianPatriot.org. Or just and... go straight to the description box where uh, V will happily, I'm sure, link the uh, the Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. Unfortunately, you got to give Jeff Bezos uh, a He needs cut to build now. more cock rockets. So yeah, yeah, he definitely. We got to get him to uh, Mars. So the <laughs> one-way uh, trip. His uh, little junior cock rocket is not big enough. He needs a bigger. Yeah. Uh, you know, he needs <laughs> a giant schlong. He's he's working on the SS schlong. <laughs> <laughs> the schlong rocket is coming. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, talk about a guy who's overcompensating, Jeff Bezos, man. 
Yo, it's really it's yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> like of all the designs, they picked that one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, Natty. No, that's that's good. I, was, <laughs> I think that's a that's a fine place to end it, I guess. Yeah. There you go, folks. Uh, I, I'm gonna update that link directly with the book um, in the description box right after the show is over. Awesome. So check back then. And again, folks, look, get over to CanadianPatriot.org. Uh, as well as um, risingtidefoundation.net. Yes, risingtidefoundation.net. I call it the modern library of Alexandria. It is a place for you to do some reading. Shut off the Netflix and chill. Put down the Call of Duty, okay? And spend some time really immersing yourself in some of the greatest minds that have ever lived of human thought of human of, of of understanding what what the, what the human potential really was like, and guys who really sat around and thought about it deeply and came up with these incredible ideas that are relevant today, yeah. as it was yesterday, as it was in their time. Yes, that's what we need to head to because there, in that, in their words, is the secret to unlock humanity. In their words, is the very secret for us as a species. To go interstellar, Matthew. Beautifully said. Yeah, no, and read the Philebus dialogue, P H I L E B U S by Plato. You can get it online. Just read that, study it, take notes, love it, just enjoy the ride. It's yeah, great. Absolutely. Very well said. And with that being said, folks, we're at the end of the show. This is the Geostrategic Hour. He is Matthew Errett. Once again, the links are in the description box. We'll be back here next Tuesday, same gorilla time, same gorilla station. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hit it with a thumbs up. Okay. So go ahead, Maddie. I just thought of something. Okay. Anybody who reads the Philebus, I'm sorry to harp by this. Anybody who reads it and gives me their thoughts on it by email at info at risingtidefoundation.net, I will give you a free PDF of this book. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So info at risingtidefoundation.net. Give me your thoughts after reading the Philebus. No Cliff's notes. Don't don't do a half-assed job. Like read it, enjoy it. Give me thoughts. That's very That's well it. said. Very well said. Behaviorism. Good good behaviorism. Good behaviorism. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And with that being said, folks, we are at the end of the show. Thank you all for listening in. Hit us with a thumbs up. It help it helps us tread among the algos. Because you know, who knows? Who knows these days? Who knows? And with that being said, we're over and out. Take it away. I was going to say take it away, CJ. Jesus Christ, I have it. <laughs> CJ's not here. I'll have to take it away myself. Cheers. Uh, we're in a crisis. Bye. <laughs> we're in a crisis.